0: Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. As always, we got Nate and Pootie. By the way, though, let me point this out, Nate. We've had a shout-out. The viewers and the listeners have demanded that I go back to Vanilla Knox.
1: No, no, no. One listener. <laughs> one A listener, very important, a a very very important, important listener, listener. But one listener nonetheless. So, but, but that's one more than the other
0: side. That you know what? We need,
1: we need a, uh, we need a, a Twitter poll. You need to do the Twitter I'm doing poll it. I'm doing it. on on what Pootie's nickname should be. <laughs> and whatever it is, I'm just going to always call him Pootie anyway. <laughs>
0: no, that's fair. That's
1: but fair. we're the Rebels. Uh, we're back. And uh, this is the Rebel Podcast. Uh, we are part of the Rebel Alliance Media, which uh, if you've been following us for a while, if you visited our website recently or you follow any of our social media accounts, you will know that the Rebel Alliance Media is expanding, uh, has expanded. And uh, we're just pumping out a ton of content that we're super proud of. And, uh, and very excited about. So we have um, Grant and Erica Van Bremer who uh, do the Awakening Reformation podcast. They're also under the Rebel Alliance Media banner they also started last week and I hope you listened to the first episode uh, of uh, faithful father uh, fathers of the faith for covenant kids and this is a podcast actually they do with their kids're only about 15 minutes long but all three of their kids are part of the podcast and it's basically teaching church history to their kids or with their kids to kids so it's actually you know we talk a lot on here about um, uh, how uh, parents are the primary educators of their children and they ought to be and so you ought to be be teaching your kids uh, about church history, about church fathers, about the doctrine that some men fought and bled and died for, and uh, and that's an opportunity for you to do that. So that's eventually it's going to be dropping on Mondays, but right now it's, it drops on Tuesdays along with the Awakening Reformation podcast, and then along with us, the Rebel Podcast. Those are the three podcasts that the Rebel Alliance Media brings you. But we also have lots more. We have blogs, we have videos that drop on Fridays, blog posts from Erica and Grant themselves, also from Ben Emery, Andrew Emery. Andrew put out a great one on. Education is Covenant last week that was just dynamite. So uh, there's lots of content coming out of Rebel Alliance Media. Make sure you've bookmarked rebelalliancemedia.com. Make sure you follow us on Facebook so that you can see whenever, whenever any new content drops of any kind.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. And I also want everybody to encourage everybody to call the Emery's the twins, because I've decided <laughs> to do that myself. They're not twins. I No, they're not at all, but they have the same last name. So therefore, oh, and they're enough. brothers. So that's, you're just like, trying to
1: deflect all of the nicknames. You just, you just, you're yeah. just trying to, yeah. Yeah. I need to,
0: I need to get them away. Um, so uh,
1: here's the thing. If you want, um, you know, we're right in this stage where we're, we're figuring out what this new expansion looks like. And, uh, and so if you want to be part of the rebellion in any way, um, um, the number one way that you can be is is share our content. Help us help us spread this message further I appreciate last week We had a bunch of people who listened to us when we said go on our Facebook page invite your friends to like the Facebook page uh, And uh, a lot of people responded to that. We're so thankful for that. Uh, we've also had a few people go onto the website and donate which is so uh, Encouraging thank you for that. That's gonna help us drop more content uh, later on and uh, if you have any other special skills um, I know Pudi uh, likes to make the joke that he has nunchuck skills, computer Raging hacking skills, <laughs> yeah, lots of special skills. But if you have special skills that I've, can have help a particular us, set of skills. Um, then, uh, then we'd love to hear from you. And uh, we're just so uh, grateful that we've been able to do this and people are responding to me, help by the content. So here's another way that you can get involved. Suggest content for us. Uh, we have the Revelation series, and uh, we're, we're working on putting another series like that together where we're going to teach through a book of the Bible. If you have any suggestions on the kind of content that is going to help you uh, engage culture with the biblical worldview, suggest it to us. Uh, podcast topics, blog topics, um, any of that kind of stuff, just suggest it to us because this whole thing, the Rebel Alliance Media, exists to equip Christians to engage culture with the biblical worldview. So, however, you're going to be best equipped to do that. We want to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, and we're totally running out of ideas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are running on, we are. Fumes. We are on fumes here. We need a break. No, I
0: was kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I'm totally. um, I got rebel news for you. Though. Hey,
1: let's go. Let's go with the rebel so news. What's going on in the world
0: today? This good to our, our topic this week, um, as we just have quick little chats here about uh, some of the drama. Drama, is that the right word? I don't think that's the right word, but we'll use it. We'll use it. Um, the battles we seem to be getting ourselves into f- on Facebook, because people are doing exactly what we asked. And so we just wanted to chat about the proper ways to do that. But yeah, the Rebel News, we have a couple things that uh, I wanted to share with you. So I'm going to tell you one story that uh, you hadn't heard about until I mentioned it a few minutes ago.
1: And I didn't get all the details, so I'm actually looking forward to this. It sounded hilarious.
0: <laughs> so, and then I want, I want to get your thoughts on this. So, in Odessa, Texas, there was a, there's a restaurant. It's called The Salt... What is it called here? The Salt Grass Steakhouse in Odessa, Texas.
1: Sounds delicious.
0: Sounds great. They have a young waiter, who was about 20 years old, who served a table, got the receipt. The receipt had the bill with no tip on it. That bill was $108, no Ooh, tip. That's harsh. Well... You know, that's the kind of thing that happens. It does happen, unfortunately. But this waiter decided to post what was written on the receipt on, on social media. And this went viral. There's been 8,000-ish comments on Facebook about this. Thousands and hundreds of, th- tens of thousands of likes and shares. That really sparked a big thing. Because on this receipt, his name was circled. His name is Khalif. Um I don't know if legally if we're allowed to say his last name, but so I won't. But his first name is Khalif. That was circled. And the comment that was written on the receipt is, we don't tip terrorists. Oh, man. (laughs) So this went viral. And, you know, the restaurant, um, which is a restaurant chain actually owned by a company called Landry's. They've gone, taken the steps to ban the people who um, didn't tip this gentleman. Well, a a few days later, that's actually been found out that it's a hoax, that they didn't actually write this on the receipt. The waiter himself did. So, Khalif, this twenty-year-old kid, obviously not thinking, circled his own name, wrote in "We don't tip Terrace, and decided to make a make a political statement on social media about racism. But
1: so, so he didn't. They didn't tip him. They just so didn't they, tip him. So they didn't tip him. And then either to get back at them or for some sort of political motivation he he wrote that in he circled the thing and this has been exposed now like that's that's legit that's yep yep um.
0: (laughs) uh yeah he's been fired or the company's not saying fired. he's been let go he's no longer with the company now what's interesting about this is that he didn't he didn't publicize the customers names the customers names are to the best of my knowledge completely anonymous nobody knows who these people are but Basically, when the restaurant investigated to say what the heck's going on here, um, they found out no, we didn't we didn't tip him because he was just bad at his job, and so he decided to take to take the to take some steps into his own hands, and decided to make this a political statement, and people kind of ran with it, and now it's like backpedal because this didn't actually happen.
1: Right, and so I I, I imagine because I've been in several fights over things like this, um, I imagine that. Uh, People who are, I would say, more politically oriented to the left, uh, use this as an opportunity to say, "See, racism is alive and well, systemic. It's it's all over the place. If you haven't experienced it, it's just because you're not a minority." Like that whole thing. Like I, I'm assuming those are the comments, those are the shares. That's what people were saying. That's the hoopla that it created.
0: Yep, yeah, basically it was. Uh, um he kind of wrote like things like this happen to test your faith and to test, uh, right. you know, your resolve racism still exists. This kind of hatred, hatred needs to be abolished, Right. which we're all, would all be things we would agree with. Right. Unfortunately, he's lying about it. Right. All. And so what I find funny is that the hoopla that started with this started because this, if that, if that had actually happened, that's a terrible thing. Right. So but this is, this there is, isn't a, there isn't the same reaction to the fact that it's, it's fake.
1: Right. And you know what? This actually goes along with, you know, a lot of the things that we've said recently that have also got us, you know, some, some lovely hate mail about the Me Too movement and stuff. You know, this is the, the culture that we live in, right? The racism is front page news. Sex allegations, front page news. Retractions, right? last page news you got to turn all the way to the end to see these things so so what was like a headline story on the evening news all over texas probably you know racism alive and well in the us yada 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 um but then when this came out to be fake i i'd be shocked if it got near as much airtime, um which is unfortunate because and 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 this is what i would say and and you know you Chris and I would both totally agree that racism is a sin that needs to be eradicated in our culture. But the problem is, is that number one, the way people are combating racism is wrong, right? So any way that that people try to combat racism uh, outside of the gospel is just a power play, right? This is why we stand opposed, we stood opposed to the Black Lives Matter movement because all that was doing was trying to elevate black lives and black culture above other cultures that's not how it, it's not a power play here it's not it's not trying to overpower or dominate the that that's not what ends racism what ends racism is finding commonality recognizing recognizing that there's one race because because god created us one race and We find commonality when we find our identity in Christ. So the gospel actually heals racism. Um, You know, posts on social media don't necessarily heal racism. But um, moreover than that, I would just say this is a good reminder for us. No matter which side of the arguments we fall on, uh, dirty tactics don't win wars. Right. Like like. And, yeah, and when cool. I say dir- dirty tactics, I mean, the, there are there are ways to be slightly underhanded. There, there are ways. But like lying. Right. Making up stories like you cannot lose your integrity in the midst of a war to, to win the war. Or at least that's not an option for Christians. And so um, even if racism is alive and well and, and just as prevalent as this guy was claiming it was. Um, making up a story to prove that point is always going to backfire because we live in a world that God created, and God created the world in such a way that um, what's hidden in darkness gets revealed in the light.
0: Yeah, Amen. I would, I would just also like to say it's, it's funny the flip side of that coin when like he writes that comment, nobody's calling him the racist in this situation now that right. he yeah, because he pretended that somebody else was racist if you're if you're crying wolf in the, in a situation because yeah. like like we said we we don't want when it's a real thing f- for it to not be uncovered we want it to come to light we want the people held responsible but when somebody cries foul when there is actually no foul play in the in the area we're very we're very cautious about not' we're, we we're very cautious about not saying that that person's Guilty of what they've actually committed. Like, and it's funny that when you think back to the Old Testament laws and how we've just lost so much of what God's word actually tells us to do. In, God, in the Old Testament laws, well, in this situation, he would be guilty of the same like, punishment right. of the yeah, same way. That's right. And we just have forgot that.
1: Yeah. Well, and that, that's one of our things that we've just said from the get-go is that false allegations are, are much more serious than our culture um, makes them. Right? And like you said, in, under, under biblical law, if you accuse somebody falsely of, of a crime, you the, the just penalty, according to God's perfect law, is that you get the penalty that you tried to get enacted on somebody by lying. Um, and uh, and that's, you know, that's what God's perfect law would do for a society, is it would actually cut down on false allegations like this. Um, It would make people have to check facts, which kind of leads me into a local story that's that's along the same vein. This is one that I got into uh, a bit of a a kerfuffle, we'll say, (laughs) on Facebook over. um, And one of the things that actually precipitated the the topic of this uh, podcast. But um, so. Locally in London, there was a, a guy and all of this, all the information that's currently out, because there's an investigation currently ongoing, all the inv- all the information that we currently have is from two phone videos. One is is very clear. The other one is from very far away with very little, little audio. But the one that's closer, which is the one that came out first, shows a Middle Eastern guy with a backpack and a black hoodie and the hood is, is pulled up. And this Middle Eastern guy is trying to leave a grocery store. And there's a white guy in a red shirt who's on the phone with the police and putting his hand up and not allowing the Middle Eastern guy to leave the, um, the grocery store. And this is what was so interesting is that um, the video was posted. That's it. Just the video was posted by a friend of mine on Facebook um, with, with basically like London, we need to do better. Racism is alive and well. Anybody who doesn't think that's true, watch this video, like yada, yada, yada. And so, so this, my exact response was just, you know, is there any other information about this? Like, do we know why the guy was calling the police? Do we know any of that kind of stuff? And then, you know, people were like, well, he was he was calling the guy an illegal alien. Told him that he was going to get him deported. Called the police because of that. And I was like, oh, if that's if that's the case, that's horrible. Um, you know, but there is somebody in the background who says you can't make a citizen's arrest. Was he trying to arrest him because of he thought this was a random uh, immigration violation? Or um, and I didn't suggest it, but other people had suggested like, did he try to shoplift? He's wearing a backpack in a grocery store. Generally, you're not, you know, um, people who are wearing backpacks with hoods drawn in, in grocery stores do kind of attract a certain level of attention, and and just the mere suggestion of that, like we started getting called racist just for <laughs> for asking questions about it, and and like it's not it's not like. The media doesn't lie it's not like the media doesn't virtue signal all the time if they get a hold of a video like this of course they're gonna virtue signal of course they're gonna get pat on the back for saying see we fight against racism so all I was doing was asking questions and I just got lambasted and uh, and the truth is I looked it up and and so there's the the, the person with the other phone that the, the two phones that captured this actually have conflicting stories one person said that there was um, some some accusation of shoplifting and the guy wouldn't open up his backpack the other person said he didn't shop he paid for his stuff. The person it was it was solely the guy thought he was an illegal immigrant So I don't know what the case is in one case. It is just a, a story of racism um, In the other the other event, then it you know, it's something else It might still have some racism mixed in But here's my point is that when we're not allowed to ask questions like when we're not even allowed to get like ask for more information on something, if we don't immediately respond to the virtue signaling of somebody who says, racism is bad, right? (laughs) And if we don't immediately get on there and say, right, I'm as angry as you are, um, then, then it gets turned around on us so quickly and it's, it's just so interesting. And this is another thing, no matter where you fall in these arguments, no matter which side you fall on, like, let's allow information to come out before we start posting opinion pieces on it, right? Like let's not jump to conclusions. Um, let's, let's allow information to come out so that we can accurately assess situations and then run it through the biblical filters to understand what we think about it. Let's not jump to conclusions, see a video, make our own conclusions or make it fit into our particular narrative and we're seeing that on both sides
0: yeah and let's also just not call everybody who has a question a racist <laughs> seriously <laughs> like, come
1: on come on people yeah
0: um, yeah i think that's i think that's perfect it leads pretty great into what we're going to talk about today yeah so why don't we take a break and then let's just jump right into it because i'm sure we're going to talk about that incident as we kind of go
1: yeah okay so, so let's jump into take take a, a quick break. break and then we're going to ask the question and hopefully answer the question would jesus get into a facebook fight <laughs> 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 all right we'll see you after break
2: Hey, it's Dave, the Rebel Alliance Media Tech Guy here to tell you more about the new, improved, expanded Rebel Alliance Media. It's new, it's improved, and yes, it's expanded. Check it out at rebelalliancemedia.com. There's the original Rebel podcast, as always, but now there's the Awakening Reformation podcast with Grant and Erica Van Brimmer, plus their new Faith of the Fathers podcast with their children. Great listening for families. Catch the Rebels each Friday for their weekly video on culture and get a refreshing review of eschatology with Pastor Nate's Eschatology 101 video series. Another new addition is the blogs and articles page with some excellent reads by the Van Brimmers along with Ben and Andrew Emery. You can now help Rebel Alliance Media financially through the donate button at the top of the homepage. It's a brand new website, so make it your home base for interacting with the rebels. Don't forget to share it with your friends. That's rebelalliancemedia.com.
0: Welcome back. I I don't know if you thought about this during the break. I thought about the fact that the would Jesus get into Facebook fights, the topic today actually reminds me of like some of our joke segments that we used to do back before we did Rebel News, like way back when we were yeah, yeah. trying to figure this whole thing out. Yeah. yeah like, kind of uh, what would you like take the mark
1: for and all those things that we used to do? Like what what's Osteen saying these days or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, we got, totally. We got the silence wait, orders. So, so let me just explain why we're taking this topic. It might seem like a kind of funny topic, but I actually think it's actually really important for us to answer. So. Mm-hmm. In a lot of the, the Facebook um, conversations that we've had recently. Um, so we posted something about, uh, I, I posted something recently about uh, uh, the um, sexual minority of pe- pedophilia. Um, and that there is, there was, it was actually a TED talk and I commented on the TED talk. And this TED talk, this lady was basically talking about how um, uh, pedophilia is just another sexual minority. And uh, something that they were born with, something that was ingrained, and so I was commenting on like this is this is the trajectory, this is where we're going. And that got into a really heated conversation with with a few uh, people that I have on Facebook. And and you know I I try you know I'm 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 evangelistic. I, I try to do what I can. I, I, I maintain friendships with a lot of uh, the non Christians that I've either worked with or gone to school with. I, I intentionally play ball uh, in in a league um, where I'll be able to interact with a, a whole lot of friends and and friends of friends who uh, aren't Christians. It's a, it's a way for me who uh, as a pastor you can really live in a kind of a Christian bubble. And so uh, we threw a block party the other day and i'm not saying any of that stuff to brag i'm just saying you know i try to i try to stay connected to non-christians as best i can which means that my my facebook network is full of non-christians so when we post stuff on social media um like don't don't think that we're asking you to share our content and and get into fights with your friends and your family and stuff like that and do stuff that we're not willing to do you know we got skin in the game as well and so um, I, I think the last one, I think last time I looked just before we came here just to check that had like 89 comments of back and forth, just just bickering, arguing, debating, all that kind of stuff. And and one of the things that when, the last time this happened is when, you know, at the last school shooting, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I posted something about how. Uh, abortions kill more people than guns. And so if we want to ban guns, we should also look to ban abortions. And that got into a big whole debate. And so we do post things to be provocative. We do post things to try to help people connect the dots. And we talk on this program all the time that we want we want to, to uh, stir up cognitive dissonance in people. We want, we want to help people see that their worldview doesn't make sense because their worldview is not built on the way that God designed the world. And so we want to poke holes in it. We want to show them the contradictions. We want to do those kinds of things. Um, I've heard it said, so Romans 1 talks about how um, God has revealed himself in such a way that that his existence and his power are plain to people because he's made it plain to them. So there's actually no such thing as somebody who doesn't believe in God, but Romans 1 tells us that they actually are actively suppressing the truth that they know about God. And several theologians have have talked about how that's like hold, holding a beach ball under the water, right? So there's always that pressure that, you know, it's trying to get up, but they're actively suppressing what they know about God and trying to Convince themselves that God doesn't exist, and I've heard that you know you know apologetics are engaging the culture. What we do here on Rebel Alliance Media when we're interacting with non-Christians about some of these things, showing them contradictory worldviews, it's like us just kind of coming up and, and giving them a little poke in the ribs while they're trying to hold that beach ball under. So the ball might fly out of their hands and hit them in the face as it comes out of the water. Um, but all we've done is come over and kind of poke them to reveal what they're actually doing, and uh, and so. You know, we put these these things up and we get into these these conversations and I get accused all the time that what we're doing is not being loving and, and we're not being like Jesus. And so I'm, I'm told all the time that, you know, would Jesus be interacting this way or did he just love people? Now, our our episode last week was about what true love is how the Bible defines love. Uh, and so we, we already answered that, and we think that the culture just defines love badly. So go back to that episode if you missed it. We, we talk about um, why so many people think that what we do is unloving, um, because they have an improper, non unbiblical definition of what love actually is. But what we're asking now is: is would Jesus engage on social media? Like, would he put the provocative posts up? Would he get into a Facebook fight? Because we have uh, we have so many people who, if they're criticizing the ministry that we do, and the truth is, if I'm being completely honest, Chris, these are things that sometimes keep me up at night. Like I, I remember after after the last Facebook fight, and I got accused. You know, you're not being Christ-like. Christ would not do this. Christ would have looked people in the eye, and he would have talk to people gently and he would have won them with love and all this kind of stuff that keeps me up at night I, I sit there and I wonder and I pray and I ask for guidance and I ask for wisdom and I say like am I being unchrist-like like am I just being mean am I just like being prideful am I just being arrogant mm-hmm. and so that's kind of what prompted us to want to do this um, this episode so before we jump into all of that like you talk a little bit about this because I know you get into just as much Facebook stuff as I do um, Yeah. You seem to take the, the truth is I I feel like you take a
0: lot more of the, the brunt from like the people who, who generally argue with me on Facebook are people who I'm marginally connected to, which is what I find interesting with you is that you take the brunt from people we know. And we're like knocking shoulders with daily. Right. Um, like, you know, relations and (laughs) things like that. So I find it very interesting. I want to, I want to comment on one of the things that, um, People, people, people say all the time about the, is this being not Christ-like? And I'm just going to read a couple of verses and then we can, we can yeah. talk about them because my answer to the question, would Jesus get in Facebook fights would be, well, yes, yes, he would. Um, and the reason is that because he didn't like, well, Matthew 10, do not think I've come to bring pre- peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword for I've come to set man against his father, daughter against her mother and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Person's enemies will be those in his own household. Whoever loves the father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves the son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, that verse is is specifically speaking about keeping Christ at the center and and elevating him above all and above everything. But it, it is also speaking of the fact that there will be times where you you did come to bring a sword to the world, and that sword is the word of God, and applying it to the world, and applying truth to situations. That's what we're doing when we when we go onto Facebook. And when I say that, I don't mean like there's no airs on our parts to be like, oh look how good we are. What I mean is when Christians take to social media and proclaim the truth, when it flies in the face of culture, like the LGBT com- community. When we when we talk about things like from a biblical worldview that is us bringing the sword to the world. That's creating upheaval. That's creating not peace to the world. And I would right. say that's a biblical thing to do when you're doing it for biblical reasons. Right. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think, so first of all, and let me just say, uh, I'll, I'll just speak for myself, but I, I don't do this perfectly. So like you said, like we're not trying to puff ourselves up here because there have been plenty of times where I've had to ask uh, f- uh, for forgiveness and, and repent of either maybe an attitude or tone or, or, or whatever. So by no means do we do this perfectly. In fact, one of the one of the reasons we've banded together with with the Emery's and the Van Bremers um, and, and put this thing together called the Rebel Alliance Media, where it brings in more than just us is because we want other people holding us accountable for how we're doing this stuff. Right. We want people who can speak into into our lives and say, you know, you know, Nate, check, check your tone there. Or as uh, check, yeah, <laughs> check your heart, bro, um, you know, on on how we're engaging. And and we need people like that because it's, it's so easy to be sucked in, which is why we just did a, a whole series on uh, engaging the culture with the fruit of the spirit, because gentleness and self-control and, and kindness all necessary. So if you missed that series, go back and listen to it, because. Um, I think that stuff was important to keep in mind if this is a topic that appeals to you. But um the other thing that I would just mm-hmm. I, I would say is that um, you know we we definitely engage with these are tough conversations, right? these are these are big conversations. and and I think one of the things, so you look at that that verse that you just read that that Jesus came to bring division because, people are passionate about these kinds of things. Like when, when we talk about Me Too movement, we, we've stirred up feelings for, for, for women who've actually been abused in their past. And, and imagine trying to tell a, a woman who's been abused in the past that this movement that is giving her some hope is actually a Trojan horse. Like there's actually something really sinister and really dangerous and really evil embedded in wrapped in something good and so of course we're, we're having tough conversations and of course that that um that reacts against things but you know one of the one of the things that i was uh, accused of one of the things that i was told is that you know um how did jesus deal with the woman at the well right you know he talked gently to her and all this kind of stuff i'm like man you got to read that story again number one like you know granted she was going to the well at a time where it wouldn't have been as um public right but um, guaranteed, you know, they weren't alone. They, they weren't there in isolation. And there were other people because um, wells were, um, were essentially like, you know, water coolers in the office. Like these are coffee shops. These are places where people go because people are always needing water. And, uh, and so when Jesus calls her out... He's calling it out publicly like that's not it's not like he said, like, let's go to a secluded place. Let's get away from all these other people. When when she said, you know, sir, I have no husband. He says, yeah, you're right. The guy that you're with isn't your husband. You've actually had five husbands like other people are hearing that other people are, are, are listening to him publicly shame her sin. And so was he gentle? Yes. Was he loving? Absolutely. But he he put her to public shame. Like he, he exposed her sin publicly. He, he exposed her faulty thinking publicly. So, so when, when I'm asked, you know, didn't Jesus deal gently with the woman at the well? Well, yeah, I mean, he was meek and he was gentle in how he interacted with her, but, but she would have been, she would have been shamed. And so how she responds to that depends on whether or not she responded to that shaming with humility or, or with pride and that's what we see on facebook so you know we we say something that i hope is true i hope is biblical that's that's our what we're trying to do here and when people get upset about it it's because something has been exposed Something has been exposed and they're responding in pride. But we've, we've had just as many people who respond in, in humility, right? And recognize that maybe, you know, I've been, I've been thinking fault. I've, I've had faulty thinking in that regard. So, you know, Ugh. yes, of course, Jesus was gentle and meek um, and humble. But we forget sometimes the context here. That was, that was public. That was open shame. The other, the other verse that I, I want to bring up is, uh, is in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, it's actually in a couple of the different gospel accounts, but if you start in verse 25, uh, you get the story of when um, the, Jesus and the apostles sailed to uh, the Gerasena, Gerasenes, Gerasenes uh, um, the, basically the Decapolis, the, the um, pagan um, Gentile region um, opposite of the Sea of Galilee. And so um, Jesus and his disciples they go there and they they this is where they they encounter the demon possessed man uh, demon possessed men according to the Matthew account um, and uh, and there's a, a man with a demon um, many demons called legion right we we know this story right so what happens is Jesus gets off the boat. And they're, they they are walking along a way that nobody in that area goes because there's this demon possessed man who's violent and and strong and and wild and crazy. He runs around naked. He cuts himself. He throws stones. Like this guy's like just crazy, and uh, and so that he encounters Jesus and the, and the disciples, and Jesus speaks to the demon. Right? We know this story. He casts the demon into the herd of pigs. Right? And, uh, and so the demons go into the herd of pigs. The pigs fall into the water, right? Drown themselves, die. And then the people come out from the city and they actually tell Jesus to leave. It says that they're, they're afraid. So they come out and they see this man who's been plaguing that whole region, violent, outbursts, just this wild, crazy man of the mountains. And, and they see him. And I love the Matthew account because it says, kneeling before Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Right? So, so this man was healed of his demonic possession, kneeling in front of the Savior of the world, um, clothed for the first time ever. So, so you know his his shame and his nakedness covered over, clothed by Jesus, put into his right mind by Jesus, kneeling in front of the Savior. And what do they do? They don't marvel at that miracle. They they force Jesus out. They they tell him to leave. And it's actually there, there, there's so many nuances. It's a it's a beautiful and wonderful story. But until I had read actually a book by Toby Sumter. Called Bloodbot World. I hadn't really thought of the scope of this. So let's just talk for a moment about the scope of this. So, not only would the, that herd of, of a couple thousand pigs have been. Um, industry in that area so somebody lost their job who's watching those pigs right because those pigs died who lost <laughs> their job because they're supposed to be watching those pigs whose business took a hit because of that what that that businessman whose in, uh, income took a hit what did that do for the local economy right 2,000 pigs um, dying uh, in in a local economy that's going to do something there in the local economy what does 2,000 rotting Pig corpses do to the seashore, right? What does it do to the smell? What does it do to so you look at all of these kinds of things and you think Jesus lands on shore, right, heals somebody, leaves, and the whole area is in an uproar. Like he he left it in complete upheaval. The people in the city, it says, are terrified, they're scared, right? All he's done is he's healed one person and he's the economy the ecology the <laughs> ecosystem the people all in upheaval and so Jesus when he went places it's not like like a calm sea like just exactly. you know washed over the crowds and he just brought a calming kind gentle presence no no like Jesus was he 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 was a troublemaker if I can. I don't know if it's I, I don't mean to be irreverent, but you know, a holy troublemaker. He stirred things up wherever he went so that and why? Because people were going to have to talk about the local economy. They're going to talk about why it stunk. And, and in all of that, they, could, we, they would be able to point back to this one man who was healed. This one man who was clothed in his right mind, who had his, his life transformed by Jesus. So I say all that to say, you know, when we put Facebook in an upheaval, when we get people's emotions going, um, if 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 we are bringing truth that penetrates one heart, despite all that other upheaval, we are doing what Jesus did.
0: Yeah, and exa- exactly, exactly. Like it's one of those things when you think about it. I, I love the analogy of Jesus as a troublemaker because.
1: So it's not irreverent
0: it's, it's not, I don't I don't think so because Jesus we he fundamentally came to r- turn the world right side up yes. right we've we've caused trouble we flipped the world in the wrong in the wrong way because of our sin and because of all the things that we do wrong when Jesus came he's f- helping flip that up so he's he came to bring trouble in the first place because he came to change things and so Simple. Let's just do, let's let's use the analogy that Matthew uses. The, the whole Gospel of Matthew is about bringing in a kingdom. Well, there is already a kingdom on earth. What does he come to do? He's come to take over another kingdom. You can't do that in a in a peaceful peaceful way. It just doesn't happen. That's why that the metaphors are military metaphors, right? Um, so Jesus, let's fundamentally let's make sure we have. The real Jesus, as our, as our, in our mind, instead of the, (laughs) the idol that we've created of this pacifist hippie Jesus that isn't actually in scripture. So I, lo- I love that analogy. And I find it, I find this story. I love this story too. Cause you, you hit on a lot of the points, but the last point is he just left the, that guy there. I know. It's not like, well, he's it's like actually, no, no, come with me. Be safe. Know, he's man. like, no, you just leave you there. Yeah. You're going to deal with this now. And what, it, what does the story in Luke say? Well, he returned to his home and just start decided to start declaring what God had done for him. Right. So what,
1: what's interesting is because Jesus essentially gets chased away He doesn't actually he's not able to actually do ministry in in that Decapolis in those in those 10 little towns, 10 little cities. Um, But this guy is like he was a missionary going to a place where Jesus was was essentially driven out of. So he was able to do ministry where the son of God couldn't like that. That's amazing. And, yeah. and what, a, what an amazing picture of what he's commissioned us to now that he's at the right hand of the father.
0: Exactly. Which is, which is how I kind of view how I think Christians should be ought to view social media. Uh, we've talked about before in the past, social media is the headline newspapers of our day. It's the town. It's the town courts of our day, yep. Twitter, Instagram. That's where people go to talk now, yep. sadly, because that's just the way the world is now but what we say on Facebook what we say on social media is who we who we who we're putting towards the public yeah does that make sense
1: yep so it, the other thing that I, I want people to understand. So maybe you're listening to this and you see the topic and uh, and maybe you're listening even though you're a critic of ours and and, and thanks so much for listening this deep into the episode. Um, maybe you're listening to this and you're you're you know one of our regular listeners, a West Mooburn kind of guy who gets into these things a lot, uh, or maybe you're you're somebody who uh, maybe is timid getting onto uh, Facebook fights, or maybe you've actually this is this would be your point. This isn't really like what Jesus would do. Um, here's just a, a kind of a point to help you understand why we do what we do and how we do what we do. Um, when, I, when I post something and one of my friends responds, um, maybe maybe defending abortion or, or maybe defending um, you know some sort of atheistic worldview or, or something, um, when I engage and I start going back and forth, I am very sure, right? I, I, I'm quite positive that I'm not going to be able to change that person's mind. I, I'm, I I recognize it's not necessarily the right form for it. Um, generally, somebody who's gonna take the time to start posting is somebody who's as passionate on the other side as I am on, on my side for posting it. But I've had, and even just today actually, I got uh, a text message from somebody who um, had read through the like 89 comments from you know the Facebook war I got in like four or five days ago and basically just said like, thanks for all that. And, and so what's interesting is that we do this for the onlookers, right? So we recognize, and this is why I would encourage you to jump in. So, you know, the way the Facebook Facebook algorithms work is is that you know if you have me and you have Chris on your friends list, and we both comment multiple should. times, <laughs> and you should, um, and we both comment multiple times on a post of a friend of ours who you might not even have on your Facebook. It shows up on your timeline because it's something that your friends are engaging in, and this is one of the reasons that we should we should be jumping in on things because it it brings with it a bigger audience. And so I'm not I'm not debating and and I just mentioned Wes's name, but uh, you know Wes has tagged us in Facebook things before, asking us what we think, and and I've got into uh, arguments with some of his friends on posts that he's done, either sharing our content or whatever and these are people i don't know and and i'm 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 very convinced that i'm not going to change their minds but now there's this whole audience right and this is what we have to remember that there's always an audience whether it's how we're living our lives as christians and the coworkers and the people that God has placed in your life around us or the conversations that we have on facebook there are onlookers which is why what we talked about a couple of weeks ago is so important how we interact is just as important as what we're interacting with but we get into these these things not to change the mind of the radical 10% on the other side of the argument of us. We're actually doing this for the mushy middle. I I think this is a Winston Churchill phrase. I can't really remember, Mm but um, he basically says he's talking about it in terms of leadership, but I'll just, I'll just tailor it to what we're talking about. So let's talk about there. There are maybe 10% of the people that you have on your friends list are passionate about um, uh, in in favor of pro-life. And then you have 10% who are passionately pro-choice. Well, you have 80% there who are the mushy middle, who maybe have been swayed by some of the arguments of the culture and so they're okay with it or they might fall into the, well, It's I, I don't believe it's right, but I'm not going to tell somebody else not to choose it. They're not passionate one way or the other. They haven't really engaged with the arguments one way or the other. Maybe they've they've learned what they've learned from the media so they don't hold their convictions with any sort of passion or any any sort of um, strength. Um, those are the people that we're actually interacting for. Those people who are looking who might actually be persuaded. So So when you get, you know start stirring up somebody's emotions and they start getting upset and you you and they say to you well this isn't doing anything this is unproductive because now we're just upset with each other now number one don't get upset with the person right we're, we're, we're interacting with arguments we're called first corinthians 10 right we're, we're called not uh to to wage uh war against flesh and blood but against lofty arguments that set themselves up against the authority of christ so so we're engaging in the arguments but you're doing it for the onlookers that's who you're engaging with and and that's why you make sure that your responses that's why you heap coals on their heads as they attack you Mm -hmm. by by killing them with kindness continue to interact with their argument but keep doing it kindly because the people who are on looking will be won over not only by your um the content of your arguments but also by the character with which they're argued so i i say that we're, we're we're doing it for the mushy middle we're doing it for the onlookers and and that's that's important that's why you should engage
0: yeah i think i think that's a tremendously good point and i hadn't even thought about it until you said that because like it happens all the time where we comment on somebody's Facebook. We comment. I share, I share something. And the people I end up engaging the most about that are not the people that I talked to that are talking to me about that on Facebook. Right. It's people who are at my work who say, Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that's what you thought about this. That's not, that's not, I didn't know this is how you felt about abortion. Let me ask you questions about that. And I'm not, I'm not just saying that that's, happens every time. I'm saying sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes it'd be like, I can't believe you think this about this. And then you have to defend it. Yeah. But it gives you that, that platform. and and as Christians, people are, we're on display. There's just no way to, the way to say that if you, if you are outed, so to speak as a, as a Christian, which hopefully you are, if you're a Christian, um, people are going to be watching because they, because they do want to see how you react to things, how you post, how you engage with everything. Cause we are on display. Um, and I think the way we act on Facebook and then they, they see us in our workplaces, they see us in real life yep. circumstances. And when we're consistent and we're gentle and loving in real life and gentle and loving, hopefully on the internet, even though it sometimes can be tough with text to get the right emotion. Some people read it in their own emotions. Yep. Um, but people are, people are watching in that mushy middle as you, as you speak are, being swayed by one, our arguments, but two, also just our demeanor in those arguments. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think that's where people, when they bring up the, well, Jesus wouldn't say this argument or Jesus wouldn't do this thing is that they, they forget that he did all of these things. He still did them all with gentleness and kindness. And so as long as we're doing that, people will still be a lot more willing to listen to what we're saying. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: Totally um the other passage that i i think we should likely mention i mean we could go on and on about Jesus fashioning a whip and driving out the money changers Jesus calling the Pharisees a brood of vipers or whitewashed tombs you know all that kind of stuff brood of um, vipers
0: is my favorite yeah
1: um, but there's also Matthew 23 and in Matthew 23 he's essentially kind of engaging with the modern culture right and he's talking about how the Pharisees who were kind of setting Jewish culture at the time um, and he he pronounces these woes on him in, in a lot of ways Matthew is about the culminating uh, clash between Jesus and the Pharisees and, and that clash comes to a climax in Matthew 23 and he pronounces all these woes on them and actually says that the blood of of the you know that the spirit of the pharisee right this this spirit of the people he he basically says that the pharisees and their their fathers and and other people from other generations who are like them are the people who killed the prophets who didn't listen to the prophets who put them to death and he's basically saying that all the blood of all the innocent men and women of god who they killed throughout the generations would would land on the heads of that generation and so i I just say all that to say like one of the that I, we, I, we find that the people that we fight with the most are the people who are either, let's just say they're, they're either uh, those who claim Christianity but, but don't have regenerate hearts or people who, um, who are Christians who have been um, swept up by false teaching. And and who are are far more liberal with the the text who who have who've believed some lies about the word of God who don't allow the word of God to be their primary sufficient source of authority, um and and so th- these are the people that we fight with the most and I would just say that um, th- these are in a lot of ways the Pharisees of our day right I, and and I say that you know I, I say that you say that as, with love right? yeah I, 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 <laughs> I, that's the most loving thing that I can say is is that. You know, if, if you're the person, and, and, and trust me, if, if you disagree with where we're coming from, like, and, and you think we're the ones being more pharisaical or whatever, like, like let's reason together from the scriptures. Let's let's figure this out. But the, w- the way I look at this is the Pharisees were the ones who were telling people that there was a different way to get to God. And I think that, you know, a lot of the Christians who have bought into certain pluralistic or relativistic um, ideologies or who have... Um, pick and choose what uh, from the word of God actually comes to bear on the lives of Christians. Like one of the things like when, when, when we are posting things about homosexuality, it's not because we hate gay people, it's because we love gay people and we want them to actually be transformed by the gospel. And so when we take on things like revoice, right, which we talked about last week, um, when we take on things like revoice is not because we're, we're trying to be the Pharisees coming in and saying, you must do this this way. It's because we, we're, we're picturing those people, as the Pharisees, who are leading people astray and saying you can get to God this other way, and and the Pharisees said it was by works, uh, but they're claiming that there there are certain things in Scripture that aren't abiding to the life of the believer. So I say all that just to say, like these are the people that we tend to get into the biggest battles with, and and so and Jesus reserved his harshest words, and Paul reserved his harshest words for the people who bore the name of brother. In fact, Paul told us. The, the, the people who bear the name of brother, who who don't obey the laws of Christ, he says, have nothing to do with them. And, and so I, I say that to, just to say that that's who Jesus reserved his harshest words for, the people who claim to know God, but whose hearts were far from him. And it breaks our heart that some of those people are our friends and are our family, and so we're engaging with them because um, we're engaging with them in the same way that Jesus engaged with them, and that was to shock them and and to, to to call out their hypocrisy and to quote scriptures to them, and and it's not because we don't love; it's it's exactly the opposite. It's because we love.
0: Yeah, exactly. We you you sometimes have to say like not harsh things, but sometimes have to tell the truth to be the loving one, right? Yeah it's false love if you just let somebody continue on in their path to destruction if when you could have could have corrected the path right right and we know that it's that we don't change hearts our words don't change hearts but the spirit does change hearts yeah and a lot of times faith the correct faith comes through hearing so if nobody's saying it if nobody's willing to step up and say this is wrong man stop doing this that person will just continue to fall down that fall yeah. down that path and it would be unloving for us to not speak out again speak out against these things yeah. to continue to let the world go the way it's going right
1: yeah absolutely righty well um that's uh that's going to wrap up our episode for today um once again we are the rebel podcast you're listening to uh right now and uh, we're part of the rebel alliance media find us online rebelalliancemedia.com find us on social media follow like share the content uh check out the other podcasts that are part of the rebel alliance media check out the awakening reformation podcast check out um, fathers of the faith for covenant kids um, all of that stuff is is now going to be on our master feed so you sub- subscribe on whatever podcast app you'd like and uh, subscribe to the rebel alliance media and you'll get all that content and uh, we hope that you're blessed by it we'll see you next time